Lord, we pray that you'll speak to to us. Um, we pray that you'll give us sensitivity to your word. We pray that, um, that you'll be with me as I speak, Lord, that these words would be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the theme of this Sunday is, who am I? Who am I? Who am I was a very confusing question for me as I was growing up, because first, there was a question of nationality. I was born in Korea, but when I moved to the States, I actually became neither really Korean nor American. Uh, my American friends regarded me as Korean, and my uh, Korean friends regarded me as American. It was confusing, so I didn't really think about it that much. Um, in fact, ethnicity was the least of my concern in high school. Um, I wasn't really sure who I was, and so I tried to be a lot of different things, I think, as many people um, do. I wanted to be really good at school because I knew uh, I went to a school that wasn't unlike many schools in Hong Kong, where it was cool to be uh, a nerd. <laughs> if you did well in school, people liked you. Um, and I knew that my parents wanted, to, wanted me to succeed as well. Um, being a passive-aggressive Asian-American, uh, Asian woman that my mom is, <laughs> she once posted this um, uh, uh, the, the news, newspaper article of, of Korean kids who got perfect scores on their SATs, as if, you know, I wouldn't know where it came from. And, oh, who is this for? <laughs> um, uh, and I just wanted to be better in school because, I mean, I wanted to be accepted by my parents and respected by my friends. I wanted to be someone. But it's hard to be accepted. It's hard to be someone in high school because you're not actually just meant to be good at one thing. You're meant to be good at almost everything, especially, I think, in America and maybe here as well. There's this pressure to be good at sports as well as studies, isn't there? Sometimes the pressure is so intense, I, believe it or not, I actually wrestled in high school. <laughs> but, yeah, you probably don't believe me. But there are pictures. <laughs> um, but I remember, when I was in the match, winning or losing was the most important thing at that moment. It, there was this intense pressure there. There's pressure to be musical as well. I, p- I took piano lessons when I was little. I p- played French horn. But I have it easy uh, to many people here, I think, the, in the piano lessons and violin lessons that people take. Um, some people acted and danced, while others played lots of video games to stand out in that way. <laughs> um, people want to be noticed among the crowd they hang out with. And I also remember who you eat lunch with was the most important question in middle school. Which, because which group I belong to um, defined who I am in the eyes of my peers. And everybody is watching. So I wanted to be good at everything and actually excellent in one thing. We all want to be able to say, this one thing is mine. This is who I am, whether it's nationality or gift or appearance, sports ability, even maybe the person I date. We want to say, this is who I am. This defines me. And I think at the end, we all want to do this because we all want to be liked and loved. Even parents' love, time to time, seems conditional. 
On some level, there is insecurity in me that I was a terrible person, that I actually needed to prove myself to my parents to, uh, for them to love me. Because they cared, they seemed to care so much about how well I did in school. I felt like I needed to do well in school to be loved by my parents. But actually, it wasn't the parents so much that that mattered most. It was my friends. It was maybe that one person that I really liked. What that person uh, thought about me. We want to impress to earn that love. And I think maybe um, this is... Uh, this is why some people turn to romance, some, some people turn to dating relationships very early on, because you want to be valued and loved uh, in that way. We want someone to affirm us and accept us. And actually, this longing to be accepted and loved expresses itself in many morbid ways, too. I, I, I think this is true, that everybody, maybe, maybe I'm just weird, but um, have you ever done the funeral test? Think about, if I died in my funeral, who would come? <laughs> Seriously, I'm the only one? <laughs> um... You know, who would come to my funeral? Who would cry in my funeral? <laughs> the girl that I like, will she come to the funeral? In the end, the question we're asking once again is, am I popular? Am I significant? Am I important? Am I loved? And as we try to impress, we do grow tired. Because it's hard to act like someone. Act like um, trying to get this, this thing to define me. And the bad news is that the adult world isn't that much better. This is an issue in high school, but it doesn't get much better in, in the adult world. Things don't change that much. If you're not married yet, this actually becomes more of a pressing problem. <laughs> Adults have a different word for popularity. It's called status. And everybody wants it. Everybody wants a better job, membership into different clubs, a better place to live. It's still a contest, and people take it very seriously. And some things don't even change the subject. What you wear matter a lot in the adult world as well. What, what kind of car do you drive? Image is just as important in the adult world and people do all kinds of things to give off the right image to others. And the stakes seem much higher when you're an adult as well. The problem is, no one seems to be satisfied. The problem is that we have an infinite appetite for approval, for love. Nothing is enough. Everybody, uh, what everybody wants, it seems, is recognition really from the highest. Think about it. When I, was, uh, when I moved to the U.S., uh, I, I went to English as second language class. As you can imagine, it was the bottom rung of the social ladder. But I tried really hard to learn English as quickly as possible, and soon enough, I, my English became fairly decent. So, but then... The people that you compare, compare yourself changes very quickly. Now, it didn't matter so much what other English as second language students felt about me. It was 
the, the, the kids who were born in America, what they thought about my English. That mattered. And when I, um, I by, by a mistake, uh, I actually uh, went to these advanced classes, I, I compared myself to the kids who were labeled gifted and talented in, in, in the school. I wanted to be somebody in that group. And we always compare up, not really down. We seem to have this infinite appetite for approval, not from the lowest, but from the highest. There's this very tough university um, in, in, in Korea called KAIST, uh, Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. I can never get into it because it's harder to get into that school than I think it is to Harvard. But some, for some, just getting into that school is the lifetime goal. And you would think if you make it, then everybody would be happy. But it actually has one of the highest suicide rates in the country. On average, 2.5 students a year commit suicide in that school. There used to be number, being number one in their school, but when they go to that school, they fail for the first time. They compare themselves amongst others. They want to rise to number one. There's a serious problem of depression in that school. We have this desire to be recognized by this infinite goodness. And that is by design. Because our appetite for infinite approval is met by a person who is infinite. Just like a tree is meant to grow in the ground. Just as a fish is supposed to live in water. People are meant to live in relationship with God. And that is the only thing that will make us satisfied. And that is what God offers. That's why St. Augustine famously said, My heart is restless until it rests in you. And that is why it's such a foolishness to build our identity upon anything other than God. So let's actually look at what the Bible says. Open up to your, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43, what Javier read for us, the passages that Javier read for us. Isaiah chapter 43. First one, but now this is, the, this is what Yahweh, the Lord with uh, four capitalized letters, is, is Yahweh, his name. This is what Yahweh says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. And the New Testament teaches that we are grafted in to the nation of Israel. This is for the Christian. Everyone whose identity is in Christ. Isaiah says God has created us. God has formed us. God spoke us into existence in Genesis 1. He formed us with his hands in, in Genesis 2. Psalmist says, you created uh, you created my inmost, uh, inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Our liver, our eyes, our heart, our sinew, our bones are knit together by God himself. God knit them together and formed us. So no wonder Isaiah goes on to say in, in verse 1, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. 
by name, you are mine. God redeems us. God protects us. And he knows us by name. When the service is over, I'll go out and I'll shake hands as you go out. And for some of you, I know your names. But for many of you, even though you've told me, I'm sorry, many times, sometimes I, I won't remember your name, I'm sorry. But that is not the case with God. God knows us each by name. God knows us individually. And, that is, and, and the last thing in verse 1 is the most astonishing thing, I think. You are mine, he says. You are mine. Imagine that being whispered by the person that you love the most. You are mine. And that is what the infinite God whispers to each one of us. You are mine. We belong. We're called. We're approved. We're loved and accepted. And God satisfies then our longing to be accepted, to be loved. And actually, God makes us someone, somebody. And this identity isn't earned, it's just given to us. And he says in verse 2 that he'll never leave us. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Even in the halls of high school, middle school, wherever you are, in your failures, God will be with us. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set set you ablaze. For I am Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It's one thing to know God. It's quite another thing to know God as my God. It's one thing to know God as Savior. It's quite another thing to know God as my Savior. And this is what God says. I am your God. I am your Savior. But there is this clash, I think, in us as we hear this. We think, this is too good to be true, because I am not good. I shouldn't be loved like this. I shouldn't be accepted like this. Look at what verse 4 says, what God says in verse 4. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, because I love you. He calls us his own because we are precious and honored But how can this be? Because if you let everybody know who you really are, your insecurities are true. You would be very hard to love. If I knew everything about you, and people tell me things, if I know everything about you, it would be hard to love you. But see the logic of verse 4 here. What it doesn't say, it doesn't say God loves us because we are precious. We're not honored and precious uh, first, and God loves us. That's not, that's not what it says. It's the other way around. We're precious and honored 
Because God loves us. God loves us, and that makes us precious. I don't know if you have things that you value. I have a little picture frame um, that my fiancé gave me. Um, and it's just a little picture of us together. And, you know, it's probably, the frame's probably not that expensive, and the printing cost is very, I think, pretty, pretty low. But I love it, and it is precious to me. It is really precious. We are precious because God loves us. The infinite God who created everything in the world, infinite God who can do anything, infinite God who knows us inside and out, loves us. And that makes us precious. And in the New Testament, this gets fleshed out. Literally, it gets fleshed out. God's love becomes incarnate. He lives. He takes on flesh. He lives and dies. Not because we're precious people, because we know that we're wretched sinners inside. But we are His. We are precious and honored because Jesus dies for us. We are worth the price of God's Son, His agony. His death, his blood, his life itself. That is how important we are. That is the price of all of us. We're precious and honored because God has loved us. When I graduated from high school, I went on to college, and I realized something that I, um, nobody knew me there in the college. No one from my high school came with me. I realized that I could be anything that I wanted to be. I could, I could tell people, this is who I am. But the old questions came back. Was I going to be an athlete? Was I going to be a musician? Was I going to be a scholar? Or was I going to be um, a, a, a Korean or American? Then I realized something that has changed my life since then. As I was thinking mostly about, was I Korean or American? How Korean was I going to be? How American was I going to be to people? I realized that at the most basic level, that I was neither. At the most basic level, I was neither Christian, I mean, neither Korean, (laughs) Korean or American. At the most fundamental level, I found that I was a Christian. And you know, that set me free. That set me free completely because I then could be as Korean as I wanted to be. It didn't matter. My primary identity was Christian. It didn't matter how American I was going to be. I was Christian. That was my primary identity. It didn't matter whether I was great in academics or mediocre in sports. I was 
definitively mediocre in wrestling. And that was okay. At the end of the day, I had my approval by infinite God. And I knew my identity was in Him. This longing to be approved, to be met, to be loved by the highest. I knew that was met. So I could be free to be whatever I wanted to be. And this desire to fit in, to, I mean, being neither really Korean nor American, I really wanted to fit in. But I also realized that I didn't need to fit in. In fact, that was actually going to be a hard task for me. I was going to be a bit odd, no matter how hard I tried. And that was okay, because I was made for a different place in the first place. It's not easy being odd. It's not easy to be a Christian in the world. But that's okay, because as our passage speaks to us today, God will be with us. Christ is with us. And this Christ who is with us will take us home, will take us to a different place, the place where my home is. And I hope um, this was a slight departure from the normal exegetical preaching that I normally do, and obviously a a departure from Ephesians. But this... um, a lot of it was testimonial, but I just hope that this is my experience of finding identity in Christ will speak to all of you as well, because all of you are strangers and aliens in this world, and you will feel odd, and that's how it's supposed to be. And all of you, no matter what you try to be, what your primary identity you strive to be, I want you to know that that is idolatrous. That is idolatry. To try to find your identity in that one thing. Your identity is firmly grounded in Christ. That is who you are. And I pray that you will live your lives freely with all the gifts and talents that God has given you freely, secure, knowing that Christ has given you that identity. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for dying for us. We thank you that we are precious and honored in your sight because you have loved us, because you have died for us. And we pray that you'll remind us of who we are each day. You'll remind us of how much we, each one of us, is worth. That we may honor you. That we may love you in all the things that we do. And help us to live as a Christian. As people who are a bit odd in this world. And we thank you that we're not made for this world that you will take us home in the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.